Our first scripture reading comes from John chapter 11. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His feet and hands were bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Our second reading comes from John chapter 12. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Lord, the Father will honor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the fifth of six Sundays of Lent, and welcome. However you show up here today on this, our Lenten journey, 
where we sojourn with Jesus in his passion to his death to prepare for a new relationship with Christ on Easter Sunday. Our scriptures from the Gospel of John remind us that John is very unlike the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, called the Synoptic Gospels. Those other three contain historical accounts of Jesus and Jesus' parables, which were his primary way of teaching. John, on the other hand, is not a history book, and the whole gospel is written in sort of the way of a parable. And the author presents seven wondrous signs or events for the purpose of revealing Jesus' true identity and Jesus' mission. The first of these events was turning water into wine at a wedding at Cana. And this account, the raising of Lazarus, is the seventh and final event. And I find the words of theologian Matthew Meyer Bolton helpful. He writes, John's name for these events, signs, point to their purpose. They're supposed to catch our attention, even catch our breath, drawing us toward life with and in God. So like road signs, these events reach far beyond themselves to deeper realities, and the raising of Lazarus is no exception. These signs serve to point to John's main point in his gospel, the importance of the act of believing, of believing in the identity of Jesus as the one who points us to God and to life abundant. The gospel is not about having right beliefs about Jesus, but offers an invitation and a call to a way of living, a ver- believe as a verb, a stepping out in faith and following Jesus on the way, doing what he did and loving as he loved. Our story tells us that Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha are beloved friends of Jesus. And when Lazarus becomes gravely ill, the sisters send a message to Jesus saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. Well, astonishingly, Jesus stays put for two more days. And he explains to his disciples that this illness won't lead to death. Rather, it is meant to glorify God and glorify the Son of Man sent by God. Well, the story tells us it does lead to death. Mary and Martha and all who love Lazarus are deeply gripped with grief over his death. And the sisters wonder where Jesus is. By the time Jesus arrived, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus witnessing the grief and sorrow of the community and experiencing his own, we're told that he weeps with them. When Martha hears that Jesus is finally coming, she runs out to greet him. And she gives us the most sure and clear statement of the gospel. She preaches, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Expressing for us her believing who Jesus is. She goes on to say that, yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the saving one sent by God. Jesus tells her and the world, I am the resurrection and the life. 
And from his identity, he approaches the tomb of the now lifeless Lazarus, undeterred by the warning about a stench of death. He sees with the eyes of God, and he knows with the mind of God what others cannot yet. And he calls out to Lazarus, come out. And the man once dead and in darkness comes out, still wrapped in his grave cloths. And Jesus says to the surrounding community there, unbind him and let him go. I invite us to enter into that scene a little more deeply. So with your imagination, imagine yourself in that dark place. It's a cave. Imagine how it might feel. Is it chilly? How it might smell? How dark is it really? Imagine the feeling of being bound with grave clothing, feeling unfree, and not knowing how to find release, wondering where and how the light may come in again. We can't see what God can, so we can't see the way forward. And it may be hard to believe there's any way out. Have you ever heard Jesus calling you to come out? Have you ever witnessed the community around you empowered by the Spirit to cut loose what binds you and set you free? Or how has God used you as an instrument to set another free? I invite you to talk to God about what's going on as you imagine this as friend to friend. Are you sad? Hopeful? Angry? despairing. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Resurrection is what Jesus is, so what it is always he is up to doing. From anything that has us bound and unfree, Jesus is calling, come out. And what undergirds all of our bondage? Fear. The fear of losing something we have, of not getting something we think we need, of not having what we feel we need in order to feel secure, even to survive. In the TV series The Chosen, which is a creative depiction of the life of Jesus and his disciples as told through the Gospels, the itinerant preacher Jesus of Nazareth, the one the people call rabbi or teacher, has captured the attention of both Jews and Gentiles who are non-Jews throughout the Galilee region and beyond. 
He's preaching about the wonders of the all-inclusive realm of God. And this, for many and for most, is new and provocative teaching. Other Jewish rabbis in the area, those who are teachers of God's law, keepers of the religion, they've heard about Jesus. The rule followers have come to them exclaiming that Jesus is performing miracles, He's saying that he's come straight from God. And their accounts of his disrespecting the Jewish law by teaching and healing on the Sabbath, by commanding his disciples to pick grains to eat on the Sabbath, he's keeping company with those who are considered unclean, even eating with Gentiles, and worse, committing this blasphemy of saying somehow... He is from God. So these other rabbis are anxious. They have such devotion and love for God. They have such commitment to the Torah, the law of God in the scriptures, and they are obedient to their sense of call to instruct and guide their students and fellow Jews. So they're nervous. Is Jesus causing these people to go astray? Will he gather such a following that the Roman occupiers will become nervous and lean in more firmly in their persecution of the Jews? These rabbis wonder if something is going all very wrong. In a moment, we're going to watch a scene from The Chosen depicting some of these rabbis who are doing their best to carry out their work, their calling. They have heard that Jesus is in the Decapolis, a region of mixed people, Jews and Gentiles, people of various forms of worship, various gods. And in that region there is unrest simmering below the surface. They struggle to get along. They stand in judgment and hatred and suspicion of one another. And Jesus and his disciples have gone there to teach and to calm and to heal, to bring God's word of peace, and crowds of thousands have now gathered to hear Jesus. And after a day long of teaching, the people are hungry. And in this scene we're about to see, they have just done the miraculous feeding of thousands of people, starting with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. The rabbis from the Galilee have arrived in the wake of this feeding. As we watch this clip, pay attention to the various responses of the characters involved. So upon hearing from this Greek man named Leander that Jesus was not causing harm, but rather he was healing everyone from causing harm to one another. One of the rabbis goes on to spit in his face, calling him a blasphemer. And another, Shmuel, who we'll meet in, a, in another clip in a moment, his face takes on a look of great concern and curiosity and bewilderment. As if a light is getting in, as if his outer shell is cracking, there's some new information informing him about the purposes of Jesus because of the people's testimony. And he's growing uncertain, perhaps, of his own mission as he's set out to bring Jesus into custody. 
So we recall the words of Jesus in John again. Jesus said, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground and dies, it is never any more than a single grain. But if it is buried and dies, its outer shell cracks open. It sprouts and produces much fruit. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is doesn't gain life but loses it. But those who let go, reckless in love, will have real and eternal life forever. If anyone wants to serve me, then follow me. Then where I am, there you will be ready to serve, and God will honor you and your choice. A seed that is planted does not resist being broken open to do what it's meant to do. Its outer shell is cracked so that what's inside can sprout and grow and bring forth life and flourish and produce fruits that serve the welfare of the many. A seed dying to itself flourishes. Keep this teaching in mind as we watch the next clip. And I invite you again to pay attention to what you notice about this rabbi named Shmuel. Maybe like Lazarus in the dark cave, he's realizing that he, in his clinging to one way to be a follower of God, that he too has been stifling himself and living un unfreely. He starts praying a psalm of David in his distress. When our foundations get shaken due to a great loss or some turbulence in the world or our lives, when what we have staked our life upon begins to shift or disappear, we too may feel like Shmuel, feeling great loss and uncertainty and fear. But yet the outer shell can have a chance to crack when things get torn apart. I wonder if you've ever found yourself clinging to something tightly with certainty, some belief or some stance or something you've been able to control so far and now suddenly you can't. How has this left you feeling in bondage or afraid? As we imagine Lazarus, we can imagine Shmuel and consider how is God calling for something new, something to come alive, calling us all out of bondage to fully live while we are alive. Unless a grain of wheat dies, it remains just that, a single grain. But if it dies, it bears so much fruit. Father Richard Rohr, in his book, The Universal Christ, commenting on this passage of Jesus, says, The more you transcend your small ego, which keeps us living a defended life, fearfully striving to hold on to what we think we need, the more we let go of these small ego-driven fears, the more we can include. The more of God's light that can come pouring in, the more of our life with God will flourish, a life that sets us free.
Rohr says anything that draws us out of ourselves in a positive way is operating as God for us in that moment. How else can the journey begin? How else are we drawn forward? Not by idle beliefs, but by inner aliveness. And it is to aliveness that we are called, and for that we are created. Jesus did not just say once to his friend Lazarus, come out, unbind him, and let him go. Those words echo on for us as well. They are still out there calling to us. May we listen and may we hear God calling us to come out and help one another become free, get out of our grave cloths, and go and help everyone else do the same. Friends, may this be good news for us today. In the name of God, our creator, our Redeemer and our Sustainer. Amen.